0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show is going to feature a pair of interviews that I did as we prepare for Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings. One of those interviews is with Newsday Giants beat writer Tom Rock. Tom has recently published a book called Miracle Moments. In New York Giants football history. We'll talk to Tom about that book, about what he learned, and, and some of the interesting things you'll find in that book, as well as how you can get it uh, as you prepare to do your, your Christmas shopping for the Giants fans in your family. Yes, believe it or not, it's it's time to actually begin thinking about that. The other interview is with Chris Gates of SB Nation's Daily Norseman, which covers the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll talk with Chris about the Vikings, about what he expects to to see on Sunday. So before we get to to both of those interviews, I wanted to just quickly say, you know, we've seen the the videos of of Saquon Barkley practicing or not necessarily practicing but at least stretching and running and cutting a little bit on the sidelines uh as uh as practice has unfolded this week for the giants. Still think it would be absolutely stunning to see Barkley play on Sunday against the Vikings, which would be two weeks from the the time that he suffered the high ankle sprain in week 4 or week 3, excuse me, against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Perhaps more likely that that Barkley gets some playing time on Thursday night against the, the New England Patriots. That's still a really really quick, really kind of amazing turnaround time for a, a comeback from a high ankle sprain. So we'll see, but it's it's very it's pretty obvious that uh, that Barkley is going to return to the Giants sooner rather than later, but I would still uh, caution folks not to get too excited and not to count on him playing on Sunday. Coach Pat Shermer hasn't ruled it out and, and why would he rule it out? Why wouldn't he make the Vikings prepare for Barkley even if Barkley is not going to play? And you know, we'll, we'll see how that, how that all unfolds. We'll get the final injury report. Uh, on Friday afternoon and we'll know one way or the other uh whether or not to expect uh Saquon in the lineup on Sunday. But as of now, I'm, I'm saying that I, I seriously doubt that we'll see Saquon. Anyway, let's get to the two interviews that, uh, that I did. First, you'll hear from Tom rock a- and then you'll hear my interview with Chris Gates of the daily Norseman. Those two interviews will be separated By a a short break for a word from our sponsors so let's let's get to those two interviews right now all right Giants fans I'm joined now by Newsday Giants beat writer Tom Rock author of the book Miracle Moments in New York Giants Football History and I'm bringing Tom on first and foremost to uh, tell us a little bit about that book Tom thank you very very much for uh, for spending some time with me
0: Ed, thanks for having me on. Yeah, very exciting time for uh, uh, with with the book coming out and everything, and it kind of coincides with a, a new chapter of of Giants history as, as they turn the page on the Eli Manning era and and move forward with the Daniel Jones one.
2: Yeah, yes, it is. It's it's a really really interesting time for the Giants. I know you're not having fun this morning, stuck in uh, stuck in some traffic there, but you know we'll, we'll occupy your time a little bit.
0: That's fine. Hey, listen, I I listen to podcasts sometimes when I'm stuck in traffic. I might as well be on
2: one. There you go. So tell us a little bit about about how this book came about. Uh, You know, we'll start there, and then tell us a little bit maybe about what people are going to find.
0: Sure, sure. Well, you know, as as you may have noticed, this is the hundredth NFL season. They they they've kind of been whispering and and haven't really played that up much uh, uh, around the league. But uh, it is the hundredth NFL season, and and obviously there were some. There are some hallmark teams that, that have been around for, for all of that time. And the Giants are, are sadly, not one of them. They, they came in a couple of years later, but they've been around for 95 of those 100 years. And I think when we, get, when we think about the Giants, we, we tend to think of the day-to-day, uh, week-to-week uh, uh, sense of, of, of their history. But you know, they're, they're as much a part of the fabric of New York sports and really the, the nation's sports consciousness as, as, as anyone maybe as the, as the Yankees and, and and other teams like that. so I think that the Giants really hold an important part of our of our collective sports history and I, I thought it was important important to kind of look at that and, and go back all the way to 1925 when they when they first formed uh, when Tim Mara bought the uh, bought the charter and and, and and how they've evolved over the years
2: it's interesting i think because people as you said you get caught up in the day to day you get caught up in the fact that the last few years haven't been good and you can you can easily forget that over the years over the decades giants fans have been really really lucky to to see some great teams to see some great moments and and as your the title of your book indicates to to see some uh some miracles happened for this franchise.
0: Yeah, and they happened right away too. Ed. You know, one of the things that that I really enjoyed doing it with this book was looking back at at the earliest games and and the twenties and the thirties. And you know, 1927, they won a championship. Uh, there wasn't even a championship game; it was just kind of a playoff game. It was an in season game, and and at that point in the NFL, they they, did, they sort of just voted on on the champion because. It was almost like uh, the old college football system because the people played on schedules, even schedule. Some people played 10 games. Some people played eight. Some people played 12. There was no real way to determine a champion other than just looking at it and saying, okay, well, they're the best team. They're the, they're the champion. So what happened actually in that 1927 game, two years after they formed, Giants win this game, and one of the key plays is they run a fake punt From their own end zone. Could you you imagine the team doing that now, Ed, running a fake punt from their own end zone? But it worked. They gained the yard. It was a a slog fest against the Chicago Bears. They they convert this punt. They throw throw the ball. There's a little chicanery involved there where they ask the official to to wipe the mud off the ball. And while, while the defense is kind of looking at that, they, they realign their their alignment in the backfield and they and then they run this fake they get out of they get out of their own end zone and 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 you know back then football was like trench warfare you know you it, it was a, it was a field position game so they got out there and they they were able to beat the bears and win the championship of course at that point they weren't it wasn't the championship game they still had two games to play and they actually had to beat believe it or not the 27 Yankees the 1927 Yankees which was a football team back then so that's part of the history that I that I really liked looking into and and finding out more about.
2: It is really really interesting when you look back at what the NFL was versus what it is now and it sounds like this yeah. book as you go through Giants history sort of sort of takes you through some of the different uh, chapters of the NFL.
0: Absolutely. And and like I said, you know, the Giants have sort of been along for the ride the, the whole time. You know, there there wherever they're, they're whenever they the turning Point I think for this league, you find the Giants. So it's, it's in the beginning, right? And then you get to the television era, and you say well, the great, well, the greatest game ever played. That was a Giants loss, but it was a, certainly a victory for the for the entire league. And uh, you know, right up right up to these Super Bowls, you know, these, these most recent Super Bowls, where uh, you know Super Bowls for a long time were kind of these these uh, lopsided affairs, and they were they were sort of ugly and. Yeah, you know, people always kind of made fun of them that you know it was one side or the other. And I remember, I remember going to to some Super Bowl parties where we just left at halftime because the Cowboys were beating the Steelers so badly and things like that. Patriots beating uh, uh the Bears beating the Patriots, and then the Giants and the Patriots they meet in, in these last two Super Bowls, the Giants, and all of a sudden they're exciting games in there, and 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 it sort of ushered in this new era of the competitive. Super Bowl. Last year, obviously, wasn't uh, uh, you know, kind of a slam-bang game, but it was certainly competitive and it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter, which, which really, I think, is all, is all you can ask for. But I think, yeah, to get back to your point, you know, the, the league has changed so much. You know, I, don't, I don't know that Tim Mara or, or, or even Wellington Mara would, would recognize where we are now compared to uh, what, we, uh, w- what the league that they, they helped form and the league that they helped bring together.
2: I, I hear you on that, Tom. Just tell me quickly before we move on to talk a little bit about the present-day Giants. Uh, tell me, you know, quickly. Um, did you? Was there anything really that you learned about the Giants, or any real favorite moments in the book that that uh, that you'd kind of like to point out?
0: You know, some of the things. Obviously, there's, listen. There's no spoilers, right? I mean, you, you, we know the games that they won. We know the games that they lost. One of the things that one of the things that really intrigued me about this was was talking to people about how they how they felt at moments and and the things that um, the things that happened that that seemed bad that that they turned around. So one of the one of the most fascinating parts to me was was when Ray Perkins decided to quit on them in, in the middle of the season and they were kind of stuck and they didn't know what to do with their head coach and 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 they didn't have. Or plan B. They they had no no sense of what what direction to go in, and they they had this this guy on their staff who kind of had a little bit of experience. He, he had been the head coach at Air Force for a year, and and they said, all right, well, I guess I guess we'll name him the head coach, and and it turned out to be a Hall of Famer, Bill Parcells. Uh, you know, you look at at the decision to bring in George Young, which I think is the most uh, uh, important decision that the Giants made in the last, certainly in the last half century uh you know he was a guy that you know at the, at the point the two the two sides of the of the Mara family couldn't even discuss uh they both wanted him but they both knew that if 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 one side suggested him the other side would would dismiss him out of out of spite basically uh so they had a finagle away for the for the commissioner to actually suggest that that that, that he come in and and George Young be become the the general manager of the Giants so there's a lot a lot of those stories and then you know the human elements. I, I loved talking to to Phil Sims about about his his Super Bowl experience and just how you know the regret he had that he didn't soak it in more uh, that that he didn't he didn't appreciate it more. you know it kind of felt it kind of felt you know he was just ready to play the next team after that Broncos game and and there was no next team and that was the the highlight of his career and he didn't really appreciate it at the time. And then talking to the guys on the 1990 team. Uh, you know, obviously it was a big emotional time. The country was at war. You know, with the Houston, with the national anthem and everything. But what it, what happened was at the end of the game, because of that of those outside situations, everything was so subdued and and so downplayed that when they got back to the hotel and they kind of came on separate buses and they got back to the hotel, and this big ballroom was. Dark and it was, there was like one table on the corner, and there was a cooler of cokes and there was a table with with sandwiches on it and heroes and that was just kind of their super Bowl championship and everybody went in different directions. nobody stayed around for the parade and that was the last last game for Bill Parcells that was the last game for Bill Belichick that was the last game for a lot of these guys and it and it just kind of you know it, it, the game was a, was such a dynamic game, but after that it just fizzled out and, and so Talk to these guys about about their memories and 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 their emotions of the games that we've all seen that we all know how they end and how they turn out to find out what was going on behind the scenes. I think was, was the most interesting part. All
2: right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the present day Giants. Then I'll let you tell folks where they can uh, where they can get the book. Uh, sure. As uh, as we kind of indicated at the beginning, this is a really, really interesting time in Giants history. They're moving on from the two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, longest tenured player in franchise history. They've won two straight games. The, the way that I've written it, the way that I've looked at it, the, the biggest thing that that this change to Daniel Jones has has given this franchise The biggest thing is, you know, a team that hasn't been winning for a while now, no matter what they do the rest of this year, I look at it like they have some hope now. They've sort of just changed the narrative and and changed the feeling around the franchise.
0: Well, I think that's important. And I think one of of the things, one of the drawbacks, the the sort of unspoken drawbacks of having Eli Manning as your quarterback is is that, you know, he's... He 's a two time Super Bowl MVP, but he did those things when a lot of these kids the guys on the team now were in high school or, or even in middle school I mean they were, you know he when he won his first Super Bowl, there are guys on the team who weren't allowed to stay up late enough to watch the end of that game so you, you, you're, you're talking about people who come in and, and when they play with Eli Manning, I think there's always a sense of Looking to him to to save them and looking to him to make the plays because he's the guy that when they grew when they were growing up that always watched him make those plays and now they're with Daniel Jones and he's a little he's more of their contemporary right and, and and so they're they're tied to him and so I I think it allows them to play more in the more in the present and more for their own future than you know when you're playing with Eli Manning you're always kind of playing with the past and I don't mean playing in the past I mean you know you're playing with this, this sort of historic figure, and and your the expectations change. So when you're when you're a young guy and you're 22 years old like Saquon, or you know in your mid 20s like like Sterling Shepard, and all of a sudden you have a young quarterback who isn't who doesn't have that big high profile yet. Uh, I, I, th- I think it awakens something in you, and, it, and there's a responsibility to, to rise to the occasion. I don't think it's a coincidence that the last couple of games we've seen the best play from Evan Ingram and the best play from Sterling Shepherd, and 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 the defense has has risen to the occasion because they they need to uh, uh, help this help this young quarterback along. They, they they feel a sense of responsibility. So I I think you're right. I I think that 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 sense of hope. It really permeates things, and and it, and with Eli, it was it felt like it was more stagnant. It was more it was more week to week, and and we were just looking towards the next game. And now there's now there's a sense of, oh, well this may take off into something, and it may not be this year, it may not be next year, but there's a sense that there's a possibility that that there's a long term future plan. And I think as long as Eli Manning was the quarterback. The expiration date on his quarterback on his uh, career always prevented that from be- from being the case.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. You know, I was one who, when I looked at it, I I never really you know a lot of people wanted to say, well, it's Eli Manning's fault that they're losing and they're not winning, and the year after year they haven't done it. And and I didn't look at it that way. You, 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 I thought in a lot of ways Eli was just he was what he was and. You know, the last few years he didn't have enough around him. But it's uh, when they made this move, a lot of people thought it was early. But at zero and two, I don't know how you felt. And we'll get to that in a second. But I felt like like making the move at zero and two was the right thing to do, simply because you look at how young that defense is. You looked at how. They had so many young pieces you know, with Barkley and Ingram and Will Hernandez and so many of of the young players on offense. And I thought it was just it was time to to fully embrace the fact that they had to be about the future. So no matter how it worked out or works out for this year, I thought it was the right thing to do.
0: Well, I think it was the right thing to do, and it was probably the right thing to do months before that because I I think that the. the the problem I had with this year was not that they stuck with Eli Manning and not that they drafted Daniel Jones, but they but that they did both. And and when you go into a season with two quarterbacks like that, it's impossible for them both to succeed at the same time. It, it just can't happen. So either you say okay, Eli's our guy, and we're going to use that sixth overall pick, and we're going to we're going to help him win, or you say. Thanks, thanks for the memories, Eli, and, and they were great. And I don't think anybody would have really uh, uh, killed the, the Giants for for making that decision in, in February or March or whatever, and, uh, and 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 said, "Listen, we had a we had a great run with Eli Manning. It's time to move on." Uh, so, you know that 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 to me is the is is the situation that the Giants put themselves in. Uh, whether when that change came, listen, it's it's. The last two weeks have shown us that Pat Shermer's offense works better with a mobile quarterback than it does with an immobile one. And Eli Manning, for all that he brings to the to the field and all that he can all that he can give to a Giants offense, is, is not a mobile quarterback. And so uh, you know, this is a better much better match for this team right now, this court this quarterback Daniel Jones and this coach Pat Shermer than it was than it was with Eli Manning.
2: And let's let's go into this a little bit two and two you know facing Minnesota on Sunday I still think that the Giants are a ways away from if you wanted to put them in you know if you wanted to look at contender versus pretender I just it's nice to feel optimistic about this year but do you agree with me that that it really still for the Giants isn't really about 2019 it's about excuse me, 2020, and what comes after
1: that.
0: I agree with that. I agree that you can hope and you can... And, and so maybe this game against the Vikings and, and certainly the game against the Patriots next Thursday, you see where you are and, and, and you, see, you see where you need to be. And that's, that's important for these young players too, is to, is to sort of get a sense, gauge what the what the top tier really looks like, and 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 go out and play play against it because, and I think they got a little bit of that in the first week in Dallas because I think Dallas is one of the elite teams in in the league and 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 uh, you know the, the, I think that that first game of the season really probably said more about the Cowboys than it, than it did did about the Giants. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean I think this is an interesting time. You know, listen. It's, they could be 2-4 and four at, the, at the end of this stretch. Now, I always think back to a, a chapter from the book about the, the end of the 2004 season. and They were playing the Cowboys. They had lost six in a row, and John Marrow was sort of on the field before the game, kicking rocks around and pretty depressed about the state of the franchise. And, and Bill Parcells, who was the head coach of the Cowboys at the time, came over, and uh, John said, how you, how you doing, Bill? And Bill Parcells says, not as good as you're doing. And John said, what are you talking about? We've lost six games in a row. We can't win. We can't beat anybody. It's been a miserable season. And Bill Parcells said, yes, but you have a quarterback. And I think at the end of this season, if the Giants can look in the mirror and say, we have a quarterback, I think that that's that's the key to moving forward.
2: There you go. Tom, I appreciate your time. Why don't you tell folks where they can get the book uh, before I let you go?
0: Sure. Most miracle moments in New York Giants football history is published by Sky Horse Publishing. Uh, it's Got a bunch of bunch of great pictures in there, bunch of great stories. It's available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy books uh, in, in bookstores, mostly in the New York and New Jersey area. Uh, so yeah, check it out. I mean it's a it's a great it's a great gift for uh, for a Giants fan in your life, or uh, you know if, if you like to to immerse yourself in the history of the franchise, go go out and pick it up.
2: And and Christmas is coming, folks. So uh so coming, get, grab the book. For, there you go, yes it is. All right, Tom, I know you're I know you're stuck in traffic, you're not moving very fast, but uh, hopefully hopefully you get over to the facility eventually and we appreciate your uh spending some time with me.
0: I gotta make some Saquon cuts here through traffic and then dodge and dive.
2: Oh, I, I'm I'm gonna leave you to that one. <laughs>
0: all
2: right, thanks, Tom. <laughs> all right, thanks right, Dad, all right. thanks for having me. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, I'm joined now by Chris Gates of SB Nation's Daily Norseman that covers the Minnesota Vikings, the team that your New York Giants will be playing on Sunday. Chris, thank you very much for uh, for taking some time to, to chat with me today.
1: Not a problem, Ed. Thank you for having me on. So let's let's
2: get right into it. You know we've got a the Vikings are two and two at this point. Giants are two and two. Vikings are are a five point favorite. And, and, and the big story with the Vikings these days is really, you know, for, from the outside anyway, it has got to be Kirk Cousins and, and what's going on with with the Minnesota with the Minnesota passing attack. What uh, you know what are, what are your thoughts on Cousins at this point?
1: I've got to be honest, I don't know what has happened since the early part of last season with Kirk Cousins. I mean, if you look at some of the early games from 2018, I mean, he had games against the Packers and the Rams and the Eagles where he was throwing the ball all over the place, and, you know, the offensive line was still terrible, and he was still taking hits, but he was, you know, generating yardage, generating touchdowns, and, you know, at some point, Last season, something changed, and I don't know what it is, but he, he just hasn't been the same. I, I don't know if he's scared or what the what the issue is. Uh, the, his teammates say that it isn't a lack of confidence issue with him or anything like that, but there, there's something that has definitely changed from the early part of last season to where we are right now. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's uh something else that we're not privy to or anything but i i think the guy still has the ability to be a uh a better than average quarterback but he just hasn't shown that over the past or over the first four weeks of this season
2: so on wednesday i was able to be on the the new york media conference call with with minnesota coach mike zimmer and we asked coach zimmer we were talking about daniel jones and, and as i think about it i wonder if something that zimmer said was actually directed more at kirk cousins than it might have been at daniel jones because it he said when he watches daniel jones that he's playing free that he's just he sees something and he turns the ball loose and he's just playing without worrying about the ramifications of making a mistake or what might go wrong or anything like that. And and when you think about a comment like that, do you think that something like that might be sort of a a veiled message, you know, to cousins to to relax and and and, and play a little bit looser?
1: I mean, from what we've heard from Zimmer over the years, the way he kind of, you know, conducts himself in interviews and the way he does that sort of thing, it would absolutely not be surprising to me if that's what he was getting at. But, yeah, you know, we've seen some of the uh, the film gurus on Twitter doing their, uh, their film clips and whatnot, and, I mean, you can see guys running free, and I don't know if Cousins just doesn't see them or if he's uh, looking somewhere else or, you know, if, you know like what Zimmer implied uh, apparently in this uh press conference that he's just so afraid to make a bad throw and turn the ball over that he's just settling for four and five yard passes when there's 20 yard gains available so I mean part of that as well is Zimmer and the coaching staff I mean I don't know if he's uh you know being told to look for certain things first or if he's you know just uh just not looking in the right places at the right time but you know Kirk Cousins or if Mike Zimmer wants Kirk Cousins to be more free and more loose uh he plays a role in that too and yeah, you know, like I said I'm not behind the scenes I don't know what Mike Zimmer tells Kirk Cousins at practice every day I don't know what's said on the sidelines during the uh the actual games themselves but yeah it there that's kind of a two-way street if the uh, the coach wants the quarterback to be a little more loose with the football and you know hopefully if that's what he's trying to tell Cousins Cousins uh, takes that to heart and starts doing that kind of thing
2: all right so Minnesota is 2 and 2 entering Sunday's game the Giants are also 2 and 2 and the way the season started for the Giants that has to be looked at as a good 2 and 2 as a positive 2 and 2 you look at where Minnesota is, do you feel good about them at two and two or are you disappointed to see two and two, you know, a quarter of the way through the season?
1: It's a little strange because I think that, you know, when people went through the schedule in the preseason and started making their predictions, they probably had the Vikings at two and two after the first four games just because, you know, the two road games, one at Lambeau Field and one at Soldier Field uh the Vikings are historically pretty bad at Soldier Field uh over the years but uh yeah i i think that despite the fact that a lot of fans probably projected the Vikings to be two and two after their first four games uh the way they've looked in those two losses uh probably makes this incredibly disappointing i mean they got off to the slow start in green bay uh got down 21 nothing essentially after the first quarter and still had an opportunity to come back and win that football game at the end and wound up coming up short. And then the just awful performance that we saw in Chicago, which was also for most of the afternoon a winnable game if the offense could have executed anything. Uh, you know, they took care of business at home against two teams that don't appear to be very good, uh, which is what we expected. So, yeah, it, there's a little bit of a strange dichotomy there that, uh, you know, like I said, when the schedule first came out and we saw those first four games, I think a lot of people expected the Vikings to be 2-2, two and two, but it's the way they've gotten to 2-2 two and two in those four games that I think has a lot of people disappointed.
2: So how does this game Sunday against the Giants shape up for Minnesota, just in terms of how important it is?
1: They need to not only have a good performance, they need to have a good performance away from U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, the, the two home games they played, they beat Atlanta pretty good, and they beat Oakland even worse. And on paper, you know, this is one of those games where you probably look at it and say, yeah, the Vikings are the better football team. You know, obviously games aren't played on paper, but, you know, they're a, they're a five-point favorite, so I guess other people are seeing it as well. But, yeah, they need to have a decent performance away from home just to Prove to themselves, I think, that they can do that, and you know this is going to be an important game for them because, yeah, coming up after uh, the Giants game, they have to host the Eagles, and uh, yeah, so they need to uh, to get themselves on a roll here, especially considering that their two losses means they're now zero and two in the division, and they need to start picking up wins uh, in other places as well. So. This is a this is a pretty big game for a, a week 5 contest for this team, I think.
2: Your thoughts quickly on on Daniel Jones and, and on how he kind of changes the dynamic of this game.
1: Well, I haven't gotten to see a lot of Daniel Jones unfortunately because, you know, just uh I think the week 3 game, uh I can't remember what I was doing after the uh, the Vikings played, but I haven't seen a lot of him unfortunately. Unfortunately, uh, We are kind of sad to not see Eli Manning back there because the, uh, the Vikings have kind of had his number over the years. But I think it's a lot of what you talked about. I mean, he's a young quarterback. He wants to go out there. Uh, he wants to make every play a big play. And, you know, he sees something open and he just lets it go. And, you know, Manning might not have had uh, quite that same ability at this point just because of, you know, who he is and what he's always done. But, yeah, I think that changes things a lot because, you know, I'm not sure about Eli's arm strength at this point, but I know I've seen enough of Daniel Jones where you have to defend a whole lot more of the field, I think, than you would if Eli Manning was back there. So, especially with Saquon Barkley not being there, uh, that that offense is going to rely a lot on him and trying to make big plays. And, you know, this defense needs to be up to the task. Um,
2: when you think about this game for you, how do you how do you see it unfolding? Uh, how do you see, you know? I I don't want to ask you for a prediction, but what's your guess on how it unfolds on Sunday?
1: Um, I I think Mike Zimmer is going to have uh, quite a few things for uh, Daniel Jones that he probably hasn't seen to this point. I mean, the, as bad as the offense has been in the first four games for the Vikings, the defense has still been uh, very good. Uh, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter have been just terrific on the, uh, on the edges, a defensive end for the first four games. And, uh, from what we've seen of the, uh, Giants offensive tackles to this point, that's probably bad news for them. So I think that, uh, Mike Zimmer is going to do everything he can to, uh, kind of get Daniel Jones hearing footsteps early on. And if he can do that and, uh, you know, kind of limit that Giants offense a little bit, uh, it should help open things up a little bit for uh for the vikings on offense so yeah i i think the big plan is to uh to get after daniel jones uh hoping that the uh, the rookie can't uh, can't make as many big plays as he's going to need and yeah we'll see how things go from there all right,
2: Chris. Thank you very much for spending some time with me. We appreciate that, and uh, you know we'll see how things go on Sunday. We just hope uh, hope both sides come out of the game healthy and uh, and, and have good seasons after Sunday. So uh, thanks again for for uh, for joining me.
1: Not a problem, man. Thank you for having me on. And that's our show
2: for today, Giants fans. Our thanks to to Tom Rock of Newsday and to Chris Gates of SB Nation's Daily Norseman for spending some time with us, for uh, dropping some knowledge on us about the uh, for Chris about the Vikings, Tom talking about the Giants and about his his newly released book. We uh, we ask you as always, if you haven't done so, please remember to uh, to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. If you, uh, if you haven't joined the community at BigBlueView.com, please do that. Please remember to check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, on, uh, on Twitter at BigBlueView. So, uh, please, you know, check out all of our different platforms where you can find information about your, your favorite NFL team. We thank you very much for listening, Giants fans, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye bye.